This evening we'll be in 2 Samuel 2, and the last time we saw that King Saul and his sons are dead, not all of them, uh, in battle with the Philistines and slow transition to David's leadership. And tonight we'll see that David is anointed king, but it's still going to take a while before he becomes king over all of Israel. So we'll jump in, verse 1. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? He said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, and Hinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household, so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. David, we can see... If you've been following this, if you've been you know, reading it on your own, it's been a difficult road. David was anointed to be king, and there was still a lot of obstacles, mostly King Saul. But he gets to a point in his life where he really starts to come back, to really humble himself in the sight of the Lord and ask the Lord what to do. And God has already confirmed him. He's anointed him through the prophet Samuel. But David's being cautious. He's taking it step by step. He's not imposing himself over Israel. And it's always a good thing to take it step by step. And I believe that we can see parallels in our own life. (laughs) Wow. Um, Times that we're on our own, we're doing our own thing, we're moving pretty quickly. Before we know it, we kind of left God back a a while. And then something God uses to get our attention and we say, oh, wow, I left the Lord behind. And we can all be guilty of that in various forms. And it's really a blessing when we can bring that fellowship back because it's like God is a constant in mathematics. It never changes. It never moves. Where are the variables in the other part? I like math. Can you tell? I really like algebra. But find the X. Anyway. But the bottom line is that we have to see that God is that constant and we're not. We're not consistent. We're not contiguous often. So I see a lot of smiles. And I see that in my own life, my own life too, where I stop and say, you know what? I need to check with the Lord more often. So David's taking this step by step. And I think the goal as believers is to have more of him directing us and less of us directing us. So I I like this. Good point here. Geography. Hebron is in Judah. Verse 4. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant. For your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Now, we look at this transition in the monarchy. Did it always go smooth for Israel and Judah? No. As we'll go through these books, we'll see there was bitterness and uh, the changing of the guard and there was some you know, treachery and murder. And um, It's a shame because Israel was not only a geographical place, it was a spiritual nation. And these things shouldn't happen 
in that instance. But David shows kindness. Even though Saul was after him, David never considered him an enemy. So with this transition, he's not saying, ah, I hated that guy. Man, I'm so glad that the Philistines killed him. He's being very gingerly and gentle with Israel. And he's shown respect. And certainly in our country, and, and presidential administrations, we see this as time goes on the, between the two sides, Republicans and Democrats is getting more bitter and polarized. But when you come into an office, you should really just show respect for that office and stop dividing the people with this partisanship. So it, we could learn a lot in our country from what they did, uh, at least when they were doing the right thing back then. Jabesh Gilead is on the east side of the Jordan at the time, between the, uh, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, which was also known as the Sea of Chenereth. Uh, David honors the Jabesh Gileadites for risking their lives. If you remember, when Saul and his sons were killed, the Philistines cut their heads off and they, they impaled them onto the city gates. And, and these dead men, horrible, were, were a prize to the Philistines. They were barbaric people. And the Jabesh Gileadites were saved at some point back, you know, further back by King Saul and the Israeli army. And they showed honor to him that even when he was dead, they crossed through Philistine lines and they took the bodies off. They took them out of the temple, gave them a decent burial. So they risked their lives to do that. And Dave, David is, uh, you know, he's honoring them for it. Now, some may say, well, this is a political move because he's trying to make nice with everybody. But if you look at the totality of Scripture, if you look at the big picture, David did respect uh, King Saul and the house of Saul, and especially the office of God. Uh, verse 8. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. And he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So even after David, you know, honored the men of Jabesh Gilead, they still went with Ishbosheth, really Abner. Um, could have been out of fear. It could have been for a lot of reasons. And what we see is, again, David should be the king, but Abner had other plans. Now you have to wonder, why didn't Ishbosheth die in the battle with, with Saul and his sons? Um, the possibility was that he was weak. And that possibly when he, if he was to fight in that battle, you know, he would have dragged down the arms of the warriors instead of been you know, a parallel relationship, he would have held them down. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't risk that. And I'm speculating here. Whenever I say I'm, you know, I'm not sure, it doesn't say, and I'm speculating, I'll always tell you that. But a pastor that I respect said that weakness in leadership is the mother of all sins. And I stopped and I thought about that. All the different sins that you commit, how could weakness be? And as I started to think about it, it makes sense. Because whether it's a sexual sin, it's a weakness of the flesh. Whether it's a monetary sin, it's a weakness of the flesh. Even legalism. People who are legalists are so have to be confined into those rules because they're afraid to have any freedom because they're weak. So as you start to look at this, we can see that weakness is a precursor to a lot of sins. So I tend to agree that, or I, I tend to believe that uh, Ishbosheth was weak and Abner 
used him as a puppet, and Abner was really the, the power behind the monarchy. And because of Ishbosheth's weakness, and even in any type of leadership, Abner's will rise up because the Ishbosheths are too weak to lead effectively. A few good lessons of life that we can learn from this is David showed mercy. In 1 Samuel 26, he could have killed Abner. Remember that instance? He went into the camp and he took uh, you know, a few things from the camp and then he made his way out and then he woke everybody up and said, Abner, you weren't even guarding your king. So as we look at this, we see that David did show mercy, but he didn't get it back. And we should show mercy, but the principle is we're not always going to get it back and we should expect that. Another life's lesson is there will always be those that choose the flesh over the spirit. Abner knew that David was the Lord's anointed. However, he wanted to continue the house of Saul anyway. Why? Because it was self-serving. Because he was probably a general in that army. And he was a, a king uh, really behind the, behind the scenes. Uh, subsection to two, I'll break this down a little bit more. We can be forgiven for sin, but sometimes the effects of our sin will haunt us later. Okay? Um, David spent too much time hanging out with the Philistines, well over a year. So it's quite possible that Israel was a little wary of David. You know, Judah was a different story. You know, he, he did things to endear himself to them. But the Israelites were a little further away. And like, well, you know, David was, in, and again, I'm speculating here. Um, and even in our lives, we can be forgiven for many sins. But if we, let's say we abuse our body with a type of sin, and the Lord Christ died for that sin, later in life it could affect us with hepatitis or a blood disease or something like that. It's just the effects of sin. However, we're forgiven. In a spiritual sense, it's clean. So you see a little bit of uh, that residual with David hanging out with people he shouldn't have hung out with. Three, there will always be those that resist the Lord's ways and the Lord's anointed, and they will be successful for a while. With Abner, it caught up to him, and we'll see that in chapter 3, he ends up getting murdered. Subsection of three, sometimes there are those that can't get let go of the past. In Abner's situation, the, the provision, the dynasty, the dispensation of King Saul came to an end. God wanted it to come to a close, but Abner couldn't let go of the glory days of King Saul's dynasty. He wanted to keep it going in opposition to what the Lord wanted. Um, you know, he, he wasn't satisfied to see what new season he could have had in his life, what the Lord had for him. And four... Uh, and I, I look at Abner in this situation, if some fought as hard to glorify God as they did to glorify themselves, they could really turn the world upside down for God. We can see that today as well. In Abner's case, and, and we'll see the bloodshed among brothers, among Israelites, but in Abner's case, what he should have been doing was he should have humbled himself and said, David, I'm going to help you be anointed to the king over the rest of Israel, the northern part. And if I can serve in any capacity, I would like to, but it's your decision. That was the right choice, but he didn't make that choice. So countless lives were lost among brothers because this man was so busy glorifying himself instead of glorifying God. Twelve. You know, when you read the Old Testament, it, it really, it's very powerful. It's very thought-provoking. And uh, the, the uh, analogies and the imageries and the, the applications, I mean, we can really take the heart because they were so serious back then. 
And 12, now Abner the son of Ner and the servants of Ishbosheth the son of Saul went out from Manaim to Gibeon. And, the, and Joab the son of Zariah and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down, one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So they arose and went over by number, 12 from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into the opponent's side. So they fell down together. Therefore, that place was called the field of sharp swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. See, the captains of both armies had a contest. Joab is David's captain or general, and Abner is Ishbosheth's from the house of Saul. You get the impression as we start reading about Joab, even though he was on David's side, he was a rough dude. You know, he wasn't really, he didn't seem like he was doing the right thing oftentimes, even though he was on the right side, and you'll have that. Uh, but the reason for the bloodshed among, the, among, again, brothers in Israel, you know, this blood sport, competition. Who had the better warriors? And we'll find that David loses, or his men lose 19, and uh, Abner loses 360. Uh, and I, I don't think that David had knowledge of this. It's just, again, my opinion. Uh, I don't think the Lord was in it at all. I think it was just purely blood sport. Now, just on a side note, and I like to kind of try to see or kind of look and figure out what these guys are thinking, what the motivations, you know, why did so many, uh, why was there such a, a disparity? Well, it could be that, you know, King Saul's men were, um, you know, taken care of in their barracks. They were probably fed well. Uh, they probably recycled out the troops, as you do in any modern army. And uh, Joab's men, or David's men, were fugitives for years, toughing it out, living off the land. And they were, they were a rough group of guys. And <laughs> we, we read that uh, ch- chapters prior. They were some rough guys. And when the world kicks you around long enough, you either die or you become stronger. <laughs> so <laughs> David's men were, you know, they were just gritty, gritty dudes. Um, I'm using the word dude a lot. But the point is that, I mean, you can see this in antibiotics with a super infection, right? You have an infection, you take an antibiotic, it kills most of the colony, but if some of them survive, they become resistant to that antibiotic. So, like, like biology stuff there. I would just say this, that if you're going through something right now, and the Christian walk is a series of, unfortunately, peaks and valleys, right? And we do go through things. And if you are going through something right now, it's not to destroy you. And God sometimes allows things to build, to build our resolve. We can see this in 1 Peter. We can see this in Romans 5. Trials are not for no reason. When we go through something, it's not for no reason. You have endurance. You have patience. You have resolve. You have character. You have hope. And these are all the things that are built up in us when we go through these hard times. Verse 18. Now the three sons of Zariah were there, Joab and Abishai and Asahel. And Asahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. So Asahel pursued Abner. You picture him, a real tall guy with these skinny legs, and he's just taken off here. So he pursues Abner, 
And in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Asahel? And he answered, I am. (laughs) And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner again said to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear so that the spear came out of his back. And he fell down there and died on the spot. So it was that as many came to the place where Asahel fell down and died, stood still. Pretty pretty graphic. I find it curious that there's a foot chase and there's a conversation. (laughs) As Abner's running, he's like, it looks like... He's, he's gaining on me. That's got to be Asahel. Hey, is that you? Uh, yeah, it's me. Um, it's, it's kind of humorous in some way. But apparently Asahel was very fast, but he didn't think this thing through. Uh, he had some weaknesses as a warrior. It seems that Joab did not want to kill him, or at least he wanted a fair fight. Maybe he re- he, it looks like he respected Joab's military family. And it does appear that Asahel had no armor. So Joab knew that Asahel was going to catch him because he ran like a gazelle. And he says, if we're going to do this, if you're going to keep pursuing me, you're going to catch me, at least take some armor so it can be a fair fight. And of course, Asahel, all he could see was catching up to this guy. And it, what it looks like is, is, is you know, Joab's a, uh, Abner's a warrior. So he figures, okay, he's gaining on me. He must have stopped short and taken the spear and did this. And the guy ran right through the spear and it came out of his back. So there was some, he, he did the old shortstop routine, and, and that was the end of Asahel. War is weird, isn't it? You ever read about the Civil War? Some of these guys that fought against each other went to the same military schools. So war is a strange thing. You know, there's a time to fight, and there's a time to stop and have conversation, or have a fair fight, or have a, a ceasefire, but, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so this is what's going on here. Now, here's another one of, of life's lessons, is that you can still be on the side of good and still be banged up. So keep that in mind. If you're doing it all right and you're following the word and you're, you're living a godly life, see a lot of smiles, you're still going to get banged up. Um, good does not always prevail on this side of eternity. something we need to understand. And that's a, a lighter uh, analogy from what we just read. 24. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner. Now these are his, Asahel's brothers. And the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Amma, which is before Gia by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Keep this in mind. This is Benjamin. Right? David was only anointed in Judah right now, and he's really trying to win the rest of them over. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. Then Abner and his men went over, on all that night through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, and went through all Bithron, and they came to Mahanaim. 
So Asahel's brothers want to take vengeance on Abner, and they pursue him to kill him. And Abner actually uses a very good argument to stop them. You know, how much blood is going to be shed among the Israelites? War is crazy, but civil war is crazier. <laughs> you, know, you see some of these countries where, I mean, literally families, within their own families, uh, they're killing each other. You know, it happened in our country. It's happened in many other countries. So this is what we're starting to run into, a civil war situation. And maybe Joab, in a moment of clarity, thought about this and said, gee, I'm David's general, and we're going into Israel's territory, and now Benjamin's behind uh, Abner, and now we're going to start fighting and killing the Israelites, and we're trying to win them over. Bad PR, you know? Uh, so he thought about it and said, okay, uh, I'm going to stop. But as we'll find out later, Joab never left that vengeance in his heart. And he eventually, we'll see what happens to Abner. A little spoiler there for you. But another important lesson is, if you're anointed by the Lord and doing the Lord's will, and someone like Abner is out to, you know, to harm you or to uh, do things that hurt your cause, okay, let's go back to the beginning. Um, they're going to try to make it look like it's your fault, and it happens. They're not going to fight fair. And this is what the devil does. He doesn't fight fair. I even see now videos now, some of these videos that people have, and you think you see something, and then you find out when there's other angles that were taken that you didn't see what you thought you saw. There's an expression that goes, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. And in the advent of all these videos, of these situations, it makes good sense. You think you see something, but you really don't. So that's what's going on here. Um, I, I look at a situation just to make an analogy in Israel. Hezbollah regularly fires rockets into Israel to kill civilians. Uh, a lot of those rockets, thank God, by the, probably the mercies of God, don't hit civilian population. Some do. And it's only till... It's, our media only wakes up in this country when Israel retaliates. When they send in the tanks or they go after some of these, these leaders, uh, these guys aren't fighting fair. They're going to try to kill civilians. Israel's defending themselves. And what happens in the world court of opinion, the UN, Israel's a bully. They're just trying to defend their people. Imagine if Canada did that to us. Would we just sit by and let it happen? I don't think so. So, you know, don't be surprised if you're doing the right thing and public opinion forms against you. Case in point, the crucifixion. In the beginning of the week, everybody loved Jesus. Oh, Hosanna, throwing palm branches down and having him ride over it. I could just picture Jesus riding through. You know, he's the son of God. First of all, he's not going to get a big head. And second of all, he's nose in his heart. They're going to turn about me. You know, they're all happy, the crowds, and they're singing. By the end of the week, they were saying, crucify him. So Jesus was the son of God, of course. Verse 30. Last few verses. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants 19 men and Asahel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men 360 men who died. Then, then they took up Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak. So it was a victory for the house of David. But is it really a victory when we're killing people that we should be uniting with? My son, oftentimes when I read the Bible to him, he goes, Daddy, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? 
And I'm like, son, sometimes it's, it's murky. He thinks in absolute terms there's good and there's bad. But boy, when you start reading into these, these works, it can be difficult to try to explain to the kid, 12 years old, who's good and who's bad. Uh, because, you know, because we're, we're sinners. But Abner's resistance to the will of God in his life and in the life of David caused a civil war in Israel. There were two competing kingdoms in Israel for the first time. And we can look at the church that way too. And we can look at the church aggregately, and there's a lot of division. Sometimes denominations cause division. Denominations are not always bad. They're just There's a distinction. Sometimes doctrine causes division. Well, we should be following the right doctrine, which is what's in the Word of God, but it'll still cause division. Sometimes how we do things, you know, will cause division. And it's sad, because I can look at this, and then I can look at the church and say, gee, sometimes, especially in America, when you look at the persecuted church, I mean, in India or Pakistan or Indonesia, these people don't care what denomination you're from. If they see another believer, <laughs> they hug you and they say, let's pray together. They don't care. You know, there's a lot of things that aren't dividing them anymore. In America, it, it's so comfortable and casual, we can be divided. It's only until persecution comes that a lot of times the church starts to stick together and band together, and we put our differences aside and we unite. So in Israel, stupid things cause division and cause needless bloodshed. I mean, look at 1 Corinthians. That church was a mess. It was divided. It was factioned. Why did the Apostle Paul write that? Because that church was a mess. It needed to be cleaned up. So, in this instance, Abner would not submit to the will of God. And here's the deal. I've read this in 1 John. I've quoted these things over and over again. When there's a break in fellowship among believers, there's an issue with somebody or both not submitting to the will of God. That's going to be it. Because if we're all submitted to the will of God, we're going to be united. Make sense? few points uh, in closing. David, how many times was he told he was going to be the king? How many times was he anointed by different people? How much bloodshed did there have to be before he ascended to the throne and united all of Israel? David was incredibly patient, waiting for the Lord's will in his life. I, you know, what I love about David is he's so human. You know, There's times that we read about David and we're like, yeah, right on, awesome. And then there's times that David does things like, no, I don't want to read anymore. It's terrible. But he's a, he's a reflection of us. Sometimes we're on the money and we're living in the spirit and we're doing the right thing. And then it doesn't take much to get us off course, like I spoke about in the beginning, and we find ourselves further away from God and we're not in his will. So what do we say about ourselves? What happens when the Lord says to us, no? How about when the Lord says to us, yes, but not now? Well, how long, Lord? That's for me to know and you to find out, right? Uh, sometimes we can be in God's will and things are still not going well. I put on the church Facebook post today that David, you know, King Saul's dead, David's in Israel, all his problems were over, right? Wrong, wrong. You still have some things that have to be done before he ascends to the throne of all Israel. And three, we just may have to be more patient. So, in closing, I would just say that when we look at David's life, um, let's try to emulate the times that he's really in the spirit and not emulate the times that he's not. When we look at his life and we look at our own lives, we can see that in 2012 in New Jersey that we have issues too. We have problems. We have trials. We have things that we have to work through. 
Are we willing to be patient? And sometimes it's tough. You know, you, you put in, you pour in, you, you, you're, you're trying to serve the Lord, you're really focused, you're sacrificing, and things are still not going right. Take heart. It happened in David's life as well. And, again, trials are not for no reason. First Peter 1, Romans 5, perseverance, character, endurance, resolve, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word as always, and um, it's kind of neat to look back and see people really mess up so that hopefully we learn our lessons, but sadly, we don't always learn our lessons. And uh, my prayer is that we would take your word to heart and that we would let you do that perfect work in us. As we go through trials, as we get older, maybe this is the same trial we went through five years ago, but this time we're looking at it differently. This time we're really seeking the Lord and seeing and asking.